Now broadcasting live on Ustream or direct to your portable device from Martin Road Studios. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagged and Board Cast. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. Drink my beer, it's good. It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Uh, what? Uh. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is crazy. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Bag and Boardcast, episode number 125. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three segments. The first being The Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Then we go into the list, uh, the books we're looking forward to coming out June 6th. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. This week we're taking a look back and forward at Watchmen. Uh, we're taking a look back at the comic book, the movie, and the upcoming Before Watchmen miniseries. And not the YouTube, like, little joke clip of the Watchmen Saturday morning cartoon. We could talk about that, because that was, <laughs> was kind of hilarious funny. and great. <laughs> I forgot about that. I know. This is my favorite thing is the Watchmen. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the talk ahead. But, you know, sometimes uh, life can hand you lemons. And some people make lemonade out of that. And Saranac and other breweries make lemon shandies out of that. And that is what we're drinking right now. Indeed. Saranac's shandy, which is a mix of lager and lemonade. Mostly lemonade from as far as I can taste. And just a little bit of lager. Um, not even sure if it has an alcohol by volume on here. Because I don't think it has much, if at all any. It's it's really on the syrupy side, and your first kind of right when it hits your <clears throat> right when it hits your tongue when you're first taking that sip. To me, I just get like Sprite soda. You know, it, it just kind of has that pop kind of taste to me, and it's not. I, I'm not a fan at all. It is like I would put it above Mike's Hard Lemonade, though. Yeah, because that is really syrupy. I feel like this goes down a little smoother and a little easier. It's not as sugary soda drink. You know, soda pop-ish as yeah. that, but it, it's there. It's right on that edge. I think this is a good summertime drink. If you want to get someone a beer who doesn't drink beer and they want something for summer and you kind of want to ease them into something microbrewery, this might be the way to go. Um, I liked it. It's not something I'd buy, but I would drink it. See, I think this wouldn't get them into the microbrew things. I think this would lead them into those Mike Hard Lemonies and... Yeah, but other, if, those other if you want to get pops. someone into a beer, like, and they, like, you don't have anything else with you, I think this is the good kind of bridge. Because this is a step above that. And you do get a little bit of that lager taste on it. Uh, I hardly get any, but. You get a little, you, you do, you get okay. a little lager. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like a lemon candy. Mm-hmm. On the, like we said, it's, syrupy. It, it's yeah. almost like a lemon jolly rancher or something. Not it's quite a lemon head because it's not that sour. Yeah. It's you don't like get any you, sour tartness. You had a lager and you dropped the candy in there and then you kind of drank it all at once and left the candy in your mouth. Mm. Left the candy in your mouth. You don't want to swallow it. It's a choking hazard. I swallow candy all the time. You eat paper. I do. With candy in it. <laughs> and gum. Well, the, it's so hard to get the paper off those candy buttons. Like, how are you not uh, supposed yeah, to eat that paper? You just eat the whole that, thing. You're supposed to eat that paper. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you do. Because there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with the stuff that happens every week that we take a look at in the Week in Geek. No, nothing wrong at all. Not like a new 
video game coming in with DC characters in a fighting style game because all the, the comic book fighting video games have been great. Remember Marvel's, what was it, Imperfections? What, what was it? Uh, Marvel Nemesis. Nemesis. R- Rise of the Imperfects. Rise of the Imperfects. That's um, it. Rise of the Imperfects. But you say that, Paul, but then the Marvel vs. Capcom games are awesome. Those are good. Yeah. You, you played the, you but played that's a lot. Marvel versus Capcom. But it's, before that though, they had like the Marvel superheroes fighting games, which were awesome. Oh, the chi- uh, X-Men Children yeah, of the Atom. Yeah, Atom. There was, um, there was like just a base Marvel one too. I forget what it was called. Did they ever come out for any system, or were they just they, they had them out on uh, PlayStation? Okay, and then you really liked DC versus uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because it had Mortal Kombat. But I'm I'm thinking of yeah, like but it wasn't a good game. <laughs> yeah, for some reason I always when I think of uh like the superhero fighting games, I, I automatically go to the Rise of the Imperfects and also to what was the. Star Wars fighting game. Uh, Star Wars Master of Terrascasi. Yes, Masters of Terrascasi. Horrible. You know what? It, it was a Star Wars fighting game. I think it was as good as like a Star Wars fighting game in the 90s could have been. Including Yoda and Darth Vader into Soul Calibur almost ruined that franchise for me, too. So, uh, for whatever reason, like I'm always a little weary, but this looks pretty cool, and it's from the makers of Mortal Kombat, and we kind of all three of us really enjoyed the newest Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I really enjoyed Mortal Kombat. Um, I hated Mortal Kombat versus DC. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a clunky fighter. Um, other people seem to like it, so maybe there's something wrong with me. But I enjoyed no, it because I I tried to get into it and I tried doing the story mode and I just didn't like it. Where the new Mortal Kombat game, like the story mode, was really. It was really great. It really told a story. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to, to work with those characters, and then you could just go and be crazy just fighting in regular tournaments kind of stuff. It was good, and I'd be interested to see what this game looks like. I'd be weary about buying it, but it would definitely be something I'd like to try out. Yeah, it's something I would definitely play. What's the price point would it have to drop to for you to buy it? Probably like 20 bucks, 30 bucks for me. Thirty, yeah, that's where I'm at. Twenty nine ninety nine, probably, maybe thirty four ninety nine. If it's you know, every once in a while, like new releases will hit that sale. Uh, I bought Marvel vs. Capcom three, you know, because the Ultimate Edition at thirty four ninety nine because it was released at that. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, it's okay. Have you opened it and played it yet? No. <laughs> Are you playing your one hundredth playthrough of Mass Effect two? It's not my 100th playthrough. It's probably my 5th s- or 6th. I, I doubt that. I think it's more than that, Paul. <laughs> yeah. We can load up my save files. We can, <laughs> we can see how many... And how many have you deleted and restarted? I have never deleted any of my save files. Because you don't... It's an RPG. Mm. You, you keep one save. And if you don't, you're pansy. <laughs> RPGs are meant to have a single save unless it's a really glitchy game like Skyrim, and then you save as often as possible. And you have a save file to go into the game add-on, which is Dongard, which just got a trailer. It actually looks really good. Um, I got rid of my copy of Skyrim a while ago because I was like, you know what, I've done so much stuff in this game. Every quest is almost rehashing something I've done before. I can move on. I put like 150 hours into it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was okay with getting rid of it, but now I'm seeing Dawn Guard. I kind of want to grab it. 
Yeah, it's it looks pretty cool, and this is why I like keeping uh, games now for a little bit longer than I think you two guys do. Uh, the yeah, Harley we, Pack. Yeah, we talked about the Harley Pack last, last week. week, and now this week with Dongard. And as long as I get to make a choice, and the choice seems to have an effect on the world, like I'll be a lot more excited to play it. I'm going to wait until I get some, hear some reviews or previews about that. I know. It's coming out this summer. I really want to see a price point for it. If it's about ten bucks, perfect. If it's anything more than that, twelve hundred Microsoft points, which is, is that almost like 15? fifteen. I'd have to wait at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks cool. A lot more focus on vampires, it seems, and not like that crappy vampire disease you get. Yeah, from going through dungeons, it's actual badass vampires. Like they show you flying around with wings and stuff. It it looks cool, but I don't know anything more than ten. I, I have to hold off. It, it looks like it focuses around this uh, sect of vampires that are constantly in a struggle versus the oh excuse me the Dawn Guard, and it's in the trailer. It definitely makes it seem like you are going to be offered a choice as the player to join with these uh, really powerful vampires or set yourself on a quest to destroy them. And if you uh, do, I, I guess everything's normal in Skyrim. And the rest of, uh, what is it called? Tyrael? Not Tyrael. What is it? Tamriel? T- no, it's not Tamriel, is it? Is it Tamriel? Yes. I forget all the weird... <laughs> it sounds, you know, they all... Uh, I don't even pay attention to that stuff. Or you can join the Dark Vampires and set the sun ablaze. Yeah, I'd go for the vampire side. Just because it seems cooler, right? Yeah, obviously. Just so much cooler. More an effect on the world. super badass. Super badass shit is cool. Yeah. It is cool. You're right. What else, else is, is cool? What else is super badass shit cool? Super cool, badass shit and cool is our second annual bag and Boardcast summer movie blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> Brackbuster. <laughs> Aha. Aha. Uh, Almost the had it. tongue-tied. I got a little tongue-tied Two. There. The Revenge. Revenge of the Empire. Of the Brackbuster. Re- revenge of the Fallen. And the Sith. Of the Sith. Fallen Sith. Sith. Fallen Blue Sith. Harvest. Uh, so this weekend we had the opening of Snow White and the Huntsman. John watched this movie. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay to the tune of fifty-six point uh two million dollars. So kind of close to what Men in Black did last week. Yeah, which was at fifty-five point something. So this is the biggest opening weekend since the Avengers. Wow. Which is nowhere in comparison to the Avengers opening week. Exactly. And I think that's really, you're going to, it's, I think people are waiting for the next big movie that's out there, which I think is either going to be Spider-Man or Batman. Not Prometheus, which opens this weekend along with Madagascar 3. I think Prometheus is going to be a little more niche. And I think, I mean, the same thing, Madagascar is going to be kids. You know, it's the people who I think either see... Prometheus is a cool sci-fi movie or know that it has something to do with the Aliens movies that are really going to go see that. You know, you don't see a lot of just normal, everyday people clamoring for Prometheus. Prometheus? I don't know. It's gotten a lot of cool, like, all the the trailers make it look really cool. The TV spots have been coming on, and I've heard people at work talking about it, but then again, I heard people that work talking about going to see Battleship, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's, F those guys. 
So, yeah, I don't know if I can trust them on their opinion on movies. I'm trying to find my post on. Nope. That's but the creator I, bracket. I plan on seeing Prometheus. I'd like to see it in the theaters. Yeah, I'd like to see it, too. Yeah, it looks cool. Um, Any other big movie news for you guys? I got nothing. Any other news at all? No. Anything you guys are looking forward to? Maybe comic books. Yay. They come out this Wednesday, the 6th. Hey, that will take us into the list. That's right, Paul. You finally set one up, and I finally hit it out of the park. <laughs> I know. I kept on setting it, too. I'm like, I can't hit the volleyball twice in a row. <laughs> Somebody else, nope, nobody else is touching it. Okay. I, uh, I touched it. John was going for it. I was letting him. <laughs> John, since you were going for it, what <laughs> book are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to Dial H um, number two. First one came out. Two months ago, it came out of the tail end of um, April, and it really interesting. Schlub guy <laughs> finds his uh, phone booth trying to call for help because his best friend's getting mugged and beat up. No, no, this already sounds far-fetched because he said a guy finds a phone booth. <laughs> That's what he says, too. <laughs> like, phone booth, where the fuck did this come from? Uh, it turns into a superhero, and then tries to find these men who are beating up his friend, and it all ties back to this one mastermind in this city who is bringing in some heavy hitters to take care of this new superhero. And it's going to be this guy now. The second issue is going to be him trying to figure out and really work the dial H mm-hmm. um, to figure out what it like to be a superhero and probably is going to need it to take on these baddies that are coming after him. So the mastermind in... Of the town that's controlling the evilness. It's like um, a crime lord. Was beating up his friend. He had men beating up his friend. Cause and that's why, that's why he went into the phone booth he, he came to down, become a hero. He sees those. He's trying to call 911, but he's frantic, and he hits the numbers that spell out hero. Hmm. Turns into a superhero. What was the H-style doing in a phone booth? It's how you dial H now. Mm. It's a phone booth. It's a special mm. phone booth. So it's not an actual like thing you hold anymore? No, it's, okay. like, a, it's like a telephone. So the crime lord creates a superhero himself and was unawares of that happening. What? The crime lord. No, he wasn't there. He sent men to beat up his friend. Mm. He, he sent... Men to beat up the guy who becomes the hero's friend. And then the superhero's there, takes care of, wipes out his men who are beating up, I forget the character's name, we'll call him Doug. (laughs) Alright? Doug's friends getting beat up by Crime Lord's minions. Doug McKenzie. Doug McKenzie. I think it's Doug's friend's Bob, actually. I think it's it's, Doug's friend's Skeeter. It's Doug Funny and his friend Skeeter. So he turns into Quail Man, beats up the Beats up the men who are beating up Skeeter. And little does Ron know that he actually created Quail Man by beating, having his men beat up Skeeter. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yes. So he's not much of a mastermind. He's a crime lord. He's a crime lord. Ah. He's just bad at it. Named Roger Klotz. <laughs> Roger, not Ron. You're right. Roger. Ah, how could I forget that? Doug is a good show. 
was a it good is a show. good show. It, it it wasn't as good when it went to ABC from Nickelodeon. Oh yeah, once it got taken um, over by Disney. Here's the thing: it, it went downhill. It stayed the same. Like they changed some. I just stuff. grew up. Is that what you're saying? It, it was the same show. You're just looking back with rosy glasses. That's it. Mm. Mm. I don't know because I remember the switch. I was watching it up to the switch, and then I was like, "This wasn't as good." Yeah. Duck Funny was always a little emo before there was emo. Hmm. But Paul, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to uh getting back in touch with some old friends of mine, much like how John is. I'm looking forward to getting back in touch with Doug Funny <laughs> and crew. Uh over at Earth Two, which is all new and all different, as we've been reading in solicitations and news networks and such, with Alan Scott now being gay, which we talked about last week. Uh, and also Jay Garrick getting a new costume. And from the cover on the solicitation, I'm not a big fan of the helmet glasses combo. Yeah, it's weird, like helmet and visor. Yeah. With, he's still got like the red shirt with the lightning bolt and like the blue pants, but. Yeah, but it looks more spandexy and not yeah. the like jeans that are rolled up on the end with work boots and, you know, the red t-shirt, which I always kind of liked about the old GSA. You know, they looked. They looked like they had a classic vibe to them, you know? They looked like your granddad superheroes. They looked like they came out of World War II, and to kind of lose that, I think, you know, and lose that legacy is, is going to hurt the DC Universe overall. Yeah, but, I mean, they're changing things right and left. We'll get new stories from them, which will be fun, but I don't know if they were out of stories yet, especially, you know, the Jeff Johns run of Justice League or just as a society, was so good all the way up to the end? After I don't think it was a case of them running out of stories to tell in it, but just wanting to do something different. Yeah. And they have that ability now. I mean, I'm really looking forward to reading the Earth 2 stuff. That was almost my pick for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you hadn't taken it, I would have. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really cool book, and this is something that, that never bought JSA books. You really should have. They were quite good. Yeah. I, I, I think a I lot didn't. of times they're kind of hit and miss. I think they're I think they're a book that's geared for you and there's other books that are geared for you know other people that you don't, you know, yeah. you're not a fan of. That's very true. And this might be the book that's not you know to have a a, a uh, group of heroes that you associated with and they kind of did feel like stories meant for you bringing out lawn chairs around the table and doing pancake breakfast. Like, those were great. And now that it's being all new and all different, I, I'm interested to see where it goes, but it might go someplace where I cannot follow. Or it could be even better than the original JSA, or Paul. it could. There, there is that chance. And, you know, you are a fan of the stories of them already as a team and a group. Mm-hmm. This is how they get there. You know, I thought you, you you would think that you'd be a little more interested in that road to get there, not just the end. But I've read that story of how they got there as a team also. Like, you know, the, with the new members and them coming together and creating the team. Yeah, but not those, those not those founding members. Yeah, not the, the rocks. You know, you, you got the, you're interested in the, the pebbles, you know, joining the yeah. stone garden. See the foundation. I don't know. I had to go somewhere with the rocks. <laughs> yeah, then then you sank. Yep. yep. As I do always. Too many rocks in your pocket, though. Yeah. Right to the floor. Uh, Chris, 
Other than Earth 2, what are you looking forward to? Um, this is a book I said I was going to start picking up based on the artist jumping onto it. It's Batwing number 10. Um, picked up Batwing number 1 when we did our new 52 spectacular, when we mm-hmm. picked up every book that came out. Batwing, really not for me. I didn't care too much for it. I picked um, up the first, I think, four issues, and then it was just during one of those heavy weeks that I eventually dropped the book. Yeah, it just didn't do anything for me, but I don't know. With Marcus Toe coming onto it, he's an artist that I want to support. I will mm-hmm. buy whatever he pops on. Um, Judd Winnick's still writing it. Now that Batwing's been cemented in his place, it might be a better book. I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where it goes. He's not really being cemented if you go back and listen to our interview. True. he's But he's now an established character. An established character who will be traveling the DCU he's on a whirlwind tour. Going all over the place. Yeah. I think that'll be interesting to see how he... Because Marcus Stowe takes some time and actually does background yeah. work. God does work. <laughs> I know. You know, the last time they did this that I really remember is when uh, Kyle became a Green Lantern. You know, you had those really great issues of him going around, and each issue was him with a different hero to learn what it's like to be, you know, a superhero. And those were really interesting. That was a really good little run on that. And let's see him, you know, let's see Batwing. Yes, that's Batwing. his name. That's his name. <laughs> uh, let's see him in that world, let's see him with those other superheroes. Yeah, let's see him. And uh, before we get into our main topic, we have another beer brought to us by Paul from which brewery, bud? Breckenridge, makers of uh, one of my favorite vanilla porters. Uh, also one of my favorite IPAs, the Small Batch. Yeah, Small Batch is excellent. And also, oh, the Small Batch uh, 412, what is it? 471. 471? I knew it was some number. Pretty sure that's the number. Yeah, it's pretty. But you know what the problem is with that? Expensive. Super expensive. Expensive as hell, man. Uh, but I've recently found a small batch of Lucky You IPA. Uh, this is their hoppy homage to a Denver landmark, the Trivoli Brewery, which I have no idea what it is because I don't live in Denver. And it's kind of uh, rare for us to see anything other than that vanilla porter and also that small batch uh, here Outside of Buffalo, where we uh, record from. Spoilers on where we live. I hope you figured it out by now. Uh, friend of the podcast, Aaron, from the Confessions of the Movie Snob, which I always have to stop myself from saying Red Phone Zone. Uh, one of his favorite breweries, Breckenridge, and I can see why. This is uh, quite good. It's very good. You get a nice uh, malt with along with the, the hops. And uh, very good. Super drinkable. Mm-hmm. Definitely drinkable. This is the... Oh, sorry. I like the small batch a lot more, but this is still pretty good. This is good because it's a good $7 cheaper than the small batch. Wow. <laughs> I believe this ran me this $8.99. $8.99 versus like the $14.15? Yeah. Not $9. bad. So, yeah. Uh, it isn't that citrusy uh, hops that I like. This is more the pine coney citrus uh, and then like kind of like citrus rinds aftertaste that dry like you just had marmalade in your mouth but it's very pine coney up front i agree but it's smooth it's not like it's not that celebration hell that just oh yeah blew your taste rough. buds out oh yeah that was so this is good this is drinkable this is something that you know is sipping nice sipping on the porch 
during a rainy day. I can see myself doing that. Yeah. I hear that you do that often. It's a rainy day today. (laughs) Yes, it is. And you have a porch. Oh, my goodness. Maybe this is why I thought of that happening together. Could be. And uh, let's get into our main topic. Uh, I think it's somewhere where we all stand on on different ground about. Um, And that's uh, Watchmen. Alan Moore and uh, Dave Gibbons, 1986 Mm -hmm. work. Uh, Miniseries that takes place... Back in the 80s, kind of a alternate alternate world, mm-hmm. um, and about uh, superheroes that have been disbanded. Vigilantes are <laughs> outlawed, yeah, more than vigilantes would be. Well, it's it's like the MacArthur trials went on, except instead of just rooting out commies, they also rooted out anybody wearing a superhero costume. Even though they weren't really superheroes. No, they're no. basically all just normal people that are taken to the streets and doing what they think is right. Mm-hmm. Except for Dr. Manhattan. Yes, there's one lone superhero in this world, and uh, he is all-powerful, living in each time, in his own past and in his own future, all at the same time. Uh, kind of a cool concept, Dr. Manhattan. I don't fit, feel like he really fits in the story, and that's precisely why he fits in the story, because he's the element that changes the world. Yeah. yeah. And also, he doesn't fit in the story because he doesn't fit in that world, either. Yeah. Um, but I, I, Paul was just letting us... I mean, when do you go into your feelings of this book? Uh, when I first picked it up, you know, I... People, when you're getting into comic books, people are like, oh, Watchmen is the comic book you gotta read. It is the pinnacle comic book work. And I think that's a fallacy. That you can't jump into the Watchmen not as a fan of comic books. Because you gotta understand what it is dissecting, because that's what it is. Alan Moore is dissecting the uh, superhero genre kind of in this book. So when I first picked it up, I got a third of the way in, got to that one very touchy sub-scene between the comedian and Silk Spectre and said, nope, I'm out. I'm just going to put it down. And it took until they said they were going to make a movie out of it, and there was all that hype, and Watchmen was the top seller again for graphic novels, and it was just going like gangbusters that I actually then picked it up again to try to read. And I kind of got it more. Because what, you know, it's set up nine panel grid. That very, and that's the classic storytelling style for comic books. Everything's set up in a nine panel grid, each page. And it is dissecting what kind of person would have to actually don a cape and a cowl to go out and get themselves beat up or beat up other people. And who, who would root for them in this, you know, in our world and, so I thought, you can't read this right off the bat. You've got to become a fan of the superhero genre in the comics medium before you should really go read The Watchmen. I don't I don't think you have to, though. I think this is, it's very accessible. I don't think you need to be too familiar with it, like what superheroes are to jump into this. I and think I, to get that appreciation of why it's set up in the nine-panel grid and also... I didn't even pay attention to that when yeah, I read it. Yeah, that's... That's just 1980s comics. Like, 
that's how stories no, that were was, told then. That like, was actually kind of going back little, like, even out of its place even in the 80s, though. Like, doing that just, whoop, whoop, nine panels. That's where you're getting. I think you're just reading into that a little bit more right. because there's a, a lot of books that are just, they're just done like that. I mean, they do some pretty interesting stuff with it, especially in, like, the fifth issue. Yeah, the, which is the, the fearful symmetry one, but which the panels are laid out from beginning to end, where the, if you flipped it back or forth, the panel grids are the same, which you want to pick up, you know, unless you kind of paid attention to the comics medium. Mm. But I, I think this is something that you can easily jump into on its own. Like we've talked about books that you can read, just mm-hmm. kind of if you're not a comic book fan. I don't think this is something people would necessarily want to read if they're not a comic book fan. Mm-hmm. But when you hear all the hubbub and praise for it, it's easily to understand why. Yeah. But to understand what the Night Owl is kind of like being a, okay, he's kind of an amalgamation, an amalgamation of, you know, both Batman and, uh, what was the Charleston character? Uh, Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. There but that's, that's who it was supposed to yeah, be though. He wanted to originally to do it of all the Charleston characters. Yeah, originally these were all going to be the um, Charleston characters, and DC said no. They had plans for him, and he kind of did his own thing with it, which Alan Moore rant time. That's just him again lifting something else. Like these weren't going to be original characters. It was going to be company-owned stuff before, mm-hmm. and he gets all hoity-toity when it's like, oh, they're messing with my creation. No, you were going to be using someone else's characters to begin with for this. Yeah. Get off your high horse, dude. Which will tie into what we're going to be talking about and yeah. why we're talking about the Watchmen in a, in a couple minutes here. Uh, John, what was your... Well, Chris, what was your reaction the first time you read it? Um, I liked it. This is something I actually read right when I was getting back into comic books. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't like right when, but it was after a while, and I started kind of just looking up, okay, what books should I read? Like, I think I read this one right before or right after Kingdom Come from DC. Did you skip the uh, the Black uh, Pirate stuff and also the... No, I read through it. Okay. It wasn't great, mm-hmm. but I, I read everything that was in there. Like, the uh, there's a comic book within the comic book, and there's also a ton of supplementary... Yeah. Materials like excerpts from novels, like magazine articles, newspapers. The guy that's psych, psych analysis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all really cool because it does give you more information into that world. Yeah, it, it's extremely well done. And I, the same with Chris is I'd been out of comic books for five, six years. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, 2001, get back into the into reading. And you start reading comic books. And then I, I looked into all those books that I remember – seeing or hearing about <clears throat> when I was a kid, never was able to get out there to comic book shops to find them. That's when I found Hellboy. And this is another one that not only was I interested because I remember that image of the mm. smiley face with the blood on it, but the the guy that we buy comic books from at Don's Tomic Comics promoting this book like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before this, I was interested in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because I had heard such great things about that. Yep. He said, and I asked him about that, and he goes, no, but here, check this out. And it was something completely different 
And like Kingdom Come, again, something completely different done with superheroes that I had read before. You mm-hmm. know, everything else was X-Men and Spider-Man, and I was just getting into DC characters. And this was a, a different take in a different world with those characters, and it was something just totally different. And I think that's one of the reasons I read a lot more indie stuff, because mm-hmm. they're a little more different than just your normal superhero books. And you read straight through too the Black Pirate stuff and the yeah extra stuff yeah. I, now, now I skip all that. Yeah, yeah. If I ever go back, and I won't yeah, ever no. go back to reread it. I I won't. I, it's it's challenging for me because none of the characters I have a rooting interest for throughout the story. They're all so flawed that I I know people like Rorschach because he's a badass, but man, he's just so messed up and he's just wrong most of the time. You know, I, he's just wrong. I don't think you have to have like a character to root for in every book, though. I kind of do. For me to to find myself enjoying it, I kind of do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when the Sabers are out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like it's harder for me. I love hockey, and like I'll watch regular season games, even not Sabers. But when the playoffs start and my team isn't in it, it's harder for me to watch that game, watch those games, even though I enjoy hockey, and. In comic books, if there's not a character, or even in television, any, I was gonna know, say because even equate in television, it to like movies or TVs, so. mm-hmm. movie or TV shows, if I can't find myself rooting for any one of the characters or interested in any one of the characters to see how it all turns out for them, I'm I'm kind of out. And I I think that's kind of what I liked about this is because all those characters were flawed, and they weren't that likable. Like I mean, every you know, like Spider Man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his flaws, but he's like, you know, he's extremely likable. Because they're always looking for a redemption, and none of these characters are. Well, they, they've they all moved on. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing, they're not superheroes, like you said at the yeah. beginning. These are just regular people. This is where their lives are at now, until yeah. somebody starts picking them off. And it's like... It's not like, let's get the band back together. It's, we need to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it all I, centers I, around the killing of a, a one of their colleagues, uh, the comedian. The comedian. I, mean, I, I definitely agree. There's nobody in this book to root for, but that's ultimately the point of it, too. Night Owl is like, the closest you get, and he's just such a schlum that you're kind of like, you know, if he did a little bit more to help himself... Like, maybe, but he's not, you know. He's not looking for that. He's not looking for it. He's got money. He doesn't, it was a side thing for him Mm -hmm. to be the superhero, something for him to do and do with his money. And now he's, yeah, he lives on his own. He goes and visits the old night owl. And those are his, that's his Tuesday night, his beers Mm -hmm. with the old night owl. And then Mm -hmm. he goes home to, to nothing because he doesn't have that excitement anymore. He doesn't have kind of anything to live for except for when he gets back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's over again for him. It's it's a book. <laughs> I, I can't recommend it. I really can't. And I don't, I wouldn't pass it on to anybody that wasn't already a fan of the comics genre. I think it's important to read like once you get into comics, but because then you see how much other people have taken from it. Like how many other stories kind of come from this 
same world. See, I I go complete opposite because this is it's very comic booky, but at the same time, it's not like this is one of those books that you can give to someone that's like, no, I I don't like superheroes. Okay, well here, it's mm-hmm. people dressing up in costumes, but they're ultimately just people. And I think that's what this book really did. And that's why it's endured so well over the years because it is not a gateway book, but it's something that it hits you because it's like, wow, a comic book can be this. Yeah, it's definitely something that when people have an idea of what a comic book is, you give them this and go, no, this is, read this. This mm-hmm. is not what you think it is. It's not your, you know, bubble gum and moonbeams comic book where you think of the super friends or the old spider-man cartoons mm-hmm. you know this is something totally different there's other books that we've talked about on my list that you know do that that i would recommend and give be- much before the Watchmen, and that's fine you know i i re- i've read books before Watchmen. before Watchmen. <laughs> Well, don't you want to talk about the movie first? I guess. Uh, yeah, that, that's where we're going to go. Yeah. I thought that's where we were supposed to go. I mean, yeah. we, we are, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the yeah, format. That's, that's right, Paul. You forgot the format. Me stepping all over your segues. <laughs> Good. Do it. Step away. No, but a couple years ago, we finally got the big screen adaptation. It was something that people said, this is never going to be done. Um, and then... I think we got it with Zack Snyder. Um, I don't remember the exact year that came out, 2005? I think it was more like 2008. I don't, I don't fucking know. I think 2009 or 2000. I'm bad with years. It all just blurs together to me, but whatever. I don't care. Um, cause what you had with Zack Snyder is someone who is a comic 2009. Fan. 2009. Yeah, I was way off. Um, and ultimately a fan of the source material. So he went into this wanting to make a good movie. And for someone who up and until recently has just done adaptations of stuff. I think he really cut his teeth on doing, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake. I don't remember if Legends of Gahul came out before or after they, this. They after, after, after this, this. but okay. uh, 300 was before Yeah, he did 300 this. before this one then. And that's what got him, got him moving to be able to do this movie because that was a comic book movie that had to be really stylized to be done. And it also got a lot of... Money, like yeah. It, yeah, it, was, it was a success. It was huge. It was a that huge one gave success. him a check to cash. Yeah, to any movie he wanted to make. And while he was making that movie, he in one of the trailers, there's like a if you slow it down, there's a screenshot of uh, Rorschach in it. Of oh, the three hundred, three hundred, yeah. Huh? Did not realize in the trailer. I for believe it's a trailer for three hundred. He he did that to show that this was going to be his next movie. Hmm. Made everyone talk. Did not know about that. And he was adamant that he was going to be doing The Watchmen, that it wasn't going to be set in present day. It was going to be in that 80s kind of style. And he worked with Dave Gibbons as for art direction on it also. Uh, and he tried to be as, you know, uh, beholden to the book as he could. And I, and he was upset that they took out the voyage of the black pirate. I'm forgetting the name because I, yeah. I've read this book one, one and one third time. Well, that was like a two and a half hour long movie as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get the DVD of the 
pirates. You can get the ultimate edition that has that interstitialed <laughs> in, um, which I still haven't seen, honestly. Yeah, I but, haven't either. But I, I would like to because I think he did a fantastic job with it. And it was working with Dave Gibbons to just capture that visual little, like, burp, like mm-hmm. the color palettes there. Like, right. it's as perfect as a comic book adaptation as you can get. Yeah, it, it is. I think the next the next best thing is Robert Rodriguez's Sin City, where it's almost like from the page to the screen. Characters in Watchmen look exactly, almost exactly as they do in the book as they do on screen. Like, there's cast perfectly. The looks, everything is, is really great. And that is from bringing in Dave Gibbons to, yeah. to do that. And because uh, Zack Snyder, you know, loves the things that he, you know, that he's bringing to screen, uh, much like he did with, uh, like, Dawn of the Dead. You know, mm-hmm. he, he loved that source material. And it shows. And it, I think Watchmen really is the best adaptation for a two-and-a-half-hour movie as you can make. And I'm okay with him changing the giant space octopus at the end. Like, that was just kind of, like, shoehorned Spoilers. into the book, I feel. Yeah. Like, it just it didn't fit with the tone of everything that they had. And I feel like Doc, uh, Dr. Manhattan as the ultimate threat, it makes sense because that's what the whole story was building towards anyways. But within the book itself, they keep on having references and big uh, posters for the day the Earth stood still, which an alien comes down that is so, that's really powerful, and the whole world then unites, and the, like everybody plays on their weapons, and there's no more war. So they were hinting at it throughout the book, and even in the movie they had the day the earth stood still, which really messed with my mind because there was a, a Keanu Reeves remake of that coming out, <laughs> like right near or after after Watchmen, which made me think that it was all like it was just like a joke for the Watchmen, but it actually turned out to be true. Like the, that movie was actually real. That movie came out. That, I that thought movie it was, was like, actually real, but nobody went to go see exactly. it. Exactly. I thought it was like a like one of those like like weird viral thing? viral marketing for the Watchmen. I'm like, oh, we're we're talking about the day the Earth stood still again. Much like, however, that was a big thing in the Watchmen book. It's it's like a viral marketing thing, and no, it wasn't. <laughs> I thought they were being really clever, and they weren't. But <laughs> no, Zack Snyder was really clever with that opening. The opening credit scene for The Watchmen, really enjoyable. I, I've i seen that on television before, you know. I've caught it, and I'm like, oh, The Watchmen. I'm like, okay, you know, they do this, do this. And then the opening credits happen, and then I turn it off because that's all I need. See, I, the opening, I think, is just a great way to hook you because it does sum up, okay, this is what the world is mm-hmm. now, like, that we have these heroes, air quotes I'm doing. Um, it's the rise and the fall of those heroes. It, it, it's the complete Yeah, it, it's over a great kind of timeline, yeah. too, and also to show how things are altered, too, in this world. Mm-hmm. How the world is uh, changing. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is the song they play. Well, yes. yes, which has the lyrics in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Which... I thought it was really clever, really well done, and also really stayed true to the book because the lyrics exactly were in the book. Which Alan Moore does a lot. Of lifting other people's stuff? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He does. Can, can we start this rant Even again, in, Even in V for Vendetta, he takes songs. Yeah. 
Well, even in V for Vendetta, it's stolen from the gunpowder plot. <laughs> yes. And then you've got Lost Girls, which is his bizarre, like, adolescent fantasy where it's like a sex novel starring Wendy, Alice, like Wendy Snow- from Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Snow Alice. White, right? No, it's, it's someone else. Right. But I like, don't know. I never watched, read the one. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't read it either. And then, um, I was almost going to call them the Watch Girls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, From Hell is basically Jack the Ripper, but mm-hmm. yeah, he did a lot of historical research, but it's a story. Like, mm-hmm. it's something that already happened and he's just telling the tales of it. Played by? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you were really hoping his keynote <laughs> I was. I'm like, hence why I was so confused by the whole thing. But no, it was Johnny Depp. You're right. It's okay. But yeah, he, he does horrible a lot. Aaron then, from Red Phone Zone. Confession is a movie snob. It's going to have a field day with that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he does do that. And before you kind of go off on that rant, um, I do... Kind of ranted. Yeah, already ranted. Oh, that's it? I thought you had more. No, I'm pouring a beer. I'm oh. um, I enjoy Alan Moore's work a lot. I've picked up tons of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff I like, I do really like. Um, the stuff that I don't like, I don't like. I do really like him. I don't pay any attention to him outside of reading the comic book because he is just the like the biggest prick out there. He he really is, and you know i I don't pay attention to a lot of stuff. Like um, Alex Ross also comes off as a huge dick. I do like his art, though. You know. I did. I'm kind of over his art style. Now. Yeah, because it it is the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I think you can you can like you can just do a search for it, and you can see that every book kind of does always look the same. But Kingdom Come was awesome that first yeah. time you got to see it. Um, I think that's probably a lot of t- why he does cover art now. But I don't pay any attention to them other than what they've written, mm-hmm. and I've liked. I've liked a lot of what Alan Moore has written. So, so yeah, I, I don't. Like, he's he's a writer that I, I don't need to read anything by him. Watchmen's probably the only thing I've actually really enjoyed besides Top Ten. Didn't you also read the, what is it, um, with the chick? Promethea. Name? Promethea. You haven't read it? I haven't read Promethea. I've enjoyed V for Vendetta uh, quite a bit. I enjoyed Top Ten quite a bit, but mostly for the art in it. Yeah, the Gene Ha artwork in that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the stuff is a little too, like, he's trying a little too hard to be crazy and zany, you know, with a lot of the stuff there. Uh, Tom Strong was pretty good, but, like, I read, you know, one or two trades of each, and, like, I don't need any more. And th- I think that's that's what I've read, too. I've read Watchmen. I don't like V for Vendetta that much. I thought it was I good. Do. That was one that I put down and took me a while to pick it back up. And yeah, me it. too. One night, uh, starting at like wow. ten o'clock, wow. and it took me. Um, <laughs> took me a while. Ten, I think. Yeah. It, I, top ten. Took me. Um, I really liked the first volume and most of the second volume of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, actually, the the third one too. I enjoyed. Couldn't, that too. couldn't get into the league. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, but I don't need to ever read it. Like. I, I think I've only actually read the first one. Like, the rest of them I've never even checked out. And, um, again, like Tom Strong, I read uh, maybe the first trade of that. But I 
I do enjoy. I, I think I'm probably missing something here or there that I've read, but yeah. I I mean, on on a whole, I do enjoy his work. Mm-hmm. But uh, now we're getting more Watchmen work without <laughs> Alan Moore. There uh, you go. Because Alan Moore said uh, he was actually asked back in 2010. Uh, DC offered him the rights for Watchmen all back if he agreed to do prequel and also sequel work for the Watchmen. And uh, Alan Moore told Wired Magazine, if they said that 10 years ago when I asked them for that, yeah, then yeah, I might have it might have worked. But these days, I don't want Watchmen back. Certainly, I don't want it under those, kind, those kinds of terms. Uh, and DC's uh, co-publishers, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, at the time, told Wired, uh, DC would only revisit these iconic characters if the creative vision of any proposed new stories matched the quality set by Alan Moore and Dave Givens nearly 25 years ago. And our first discussion of discussion on any of this would naturally be with the creators themselves. I'm not sure which part of the sentence Dan DiDio said and which part of the sentence Jim Lee said, but uh, there you go. Um and I think they have really great creative teams doing these issues. That's exactly where I was leading the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dar- Darwin Cook's there. Um, On uh, Roshock, the four-issue miniseries. Do we want to do the break? Oh, I got yeah. the list right here. Yeah. Roshock, four issues, is going to be written by Brian Azzarello. Artist uh, Lee Benjamin... Bermijo. Who, if you read the Wednesday comic stuff or mm-hmm. um, the Joker... That came out from DC. Um, they were the creative team behind that. I like the first issue cover where it's Rorschach inside a Rorschach inside a Rorschach. Yeah. Which was pretty clever. Uh, Minutemen. Yeah, all, Minutemen. All, yeah, that one's all Darwin Cook. Straight up. Da, uh, the comedian. Again, Brian Azzarello. Artist. J.G. Jones. With doing interior work, which is a treat. Yep. With the, for, I think first time since 52. He no, only did 50. layouts. Yeah, he did 52. the layouts for 52. He did the covers, but yeah. only layouts. Um, Dr. Manhattan, he might get a little weird and he might not finish. Uh, J. Michael Starzynski, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry, but yeah. Here's the thing, though. Th- that's something that's probably already finished over and done with. Like, that's something yeah, that I think he, they, they Have you heard the artist? I have. Adam Hughes. Yes. Are you sure it's in the bag? I'm pretty sure. I would hope so. Here's the thing. It's four issues. DC would not solicit and get these up to go unless the artist had a head start or were completely finished by the time. It's just looking at those two creators together. I'm like, oh, this is a book that just won't get done. Here, here's the thing. I think J. Michael Straczynski likes to likes to do work because Earth, um, the Earth, Earth One, or Earth One Superman, Superman two. Mm-hmm. just solicited. I I already ordered it. Yeah, we still and haven't gotten the Batman one yet, and that is why he left uh, the. Both the Wonder Woman book that he was doing and also Superman. Uh, Superman itself to do Superman Year One. But that grounded story, still haven't forgiven him. <laughs> uh, I like the start of it. I never finished reading it. but uh, Then we got Night Owl, also four issues. Again, J. Michael Starzynski with artist Andy and Joe Kubert. Joe Kubert yes. working with him, which is kind of awesome to bring him back. Um, I imagine it's going to be shifting times. Yeah, I <laughs> think that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be doing the dance stuff and also the stuff with Hollis Mason, which I think would actually be really cool. Yeah. 
Or as John likes to call him, Old Night Owl. Old Night Owl. <laughs> I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> a long time since I've read this. I know. Well, you knew we were going to do it. Uh, Osmandius artist uh, Jay Lee, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. His Fantastic Four work and Inhumans work was great. Uh, writer Len Wein. It's that kind of nice 70s style mm-hmm. writer. I think we're going to get like kind of crazy story. I'm probably most ex- If I had to read one of these, yep. uh, and if we were spl- splitting them up, I'm calling Silk Spectre because yep. I'm talking. <laughs> writer uh, Darwin Cook and Amanda Connor co-writing yep. with her doing the art to Amanda Connor. I think this one could be kind of cool. It might be kind of fun, too. And then a one-shot epilogue. Writers, various. Artists, various. I'm hoping that it's just that team together. Um, I'm not, like I said, like I don't have rooting interest, but this is after their fall, and they're not looking to become anything more. So to see, like, maybe their origin stories and them becoming something and working towards something. You're going to have a character to root for, Happy, I might have a character to root for here. Uh, but I, it's, it's, it's still, even if it's just four issues, it's still, you know, it's not going to be at $2.99. I'm pretty sure it's going to probably be at that $3.99 price point. They're um, going to put a premium on it, right? Most likely. I know the first ones are probably coming out within the next two months. Uh, um, the Minutemen number one comes out this week. Yep. Wednesday. Yeah. Hence why we're talking about it today. Yeah. Um, we're scheduled. I, we're, <laughs> we're topical here, Chris. This is your podcast, you know. When, we're very topical. When I first heard this, I kind of was like, why? You know, it, it it just doesn't seem like it should be done. You kind of get that kind of stuff within the book. Uh-huh. Um, and then you hear the creative teams on it, and you go, okay, I, I kind of would. I would like to read that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I, haven't, I haven't ordered any of them. And it's not, I you know, I don't know if it's just like, it doesn't interest me enough to pick up to pick up the stories. I think the creative teams on these are just what you need on before Watchmen books. Mm-hmm. I think they've got enough creative talent there to say like, hey, if you're on the fence about these, look who we have on here. Long term established. It's not like. If it was Scott Snyder, we'd be like, oh, cool, he's really cool right now. Yeah. But you got the creator of Wolverine, Len Wein, uh, on this book. You got Darwin Cook, who's been awesome for ever. De- yeah. yeah. It's not like they're just Over a decade, throwing you know, I would random people on this. It's not, you know, J.T. Kroll and Gillia March doing Silk Spectre. Yeah. Like, if it was, like, flavor of the month kind of stuff, he'd- definitely, I'd say pass. But they have seasoned creators and creators that want to do this too um i can't remember when i saw it but there was a quote from darwin cook in an interview where Mm -hmm. he said you know dc came to me and i initially shot him down i was like no don't want to do this and then he started thinking about it and Mm -hmm. then called them back up and i was like hey i changed my mind i i want in on this did he want in because he was because he knew dc was going to do it anyways so he's like well it might as well be me I think it was one of those things, like, after he was presented with it, he was like, wow, I have an opportunity to tell, like, an awesome story here mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, I would have to find the uh, interview again. But. And I, I think I think that's a lot of people's initial reaction, like, Darwin Cook not wanting to do it, because maybe because, like, well, what is there to do? And then mm-hmm. thinking about it, and like, oh, I 
I could do something great. And it is. It's all it's all people who I enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. Um but for some reason it just doesn't sell me enough to get that. Maybe I'll pick it up in trades. Yeah. You know, it might be one of those things, especially if I hear really good things about it. The one thing with the Darren One Cook, I could see him coming back and being like, "Okay, I'll do a Watchmen book, but it's going to be Minimen, the g- guy that wasn't even, or no, the whole group was called Minimen, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, never mind. I thought there was one guy called Minimen, and that was kind of killed. That was Dollar Bill, right? That was killed, and he never saw that character. Well, a lot of those characters you the, really don't see, yeah, like the Hangman. Yeah, the Hangsman was killed. I'm sorry, go ahead. That was Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice? Oh, I thought it was called the Hangsman. No, he had the noose around his neck. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm getting confused. <laughs> That's why you're making up me. But you, you only read it once. And one third times. Because <laughs> I read it one third, and then I'm like, nope. And then I didn't pick up from where I left off. I started again and moved on through. And I struggled through it. Um... So I'm I'm I would have been fine with them leaving it alone. I don't know if it's going to be a success. I don't know if it'll sell books. I think there's enough people out there that probably. Hey, so go ahead. I, I found the uh, Darwin Cook interview. Oh. But are probably again on the fence. They're huge Watchmen's fan. Wouldn't want to see it because I know when this came out, there's a huge backlash. Mm-hmm. And that's like when they released everyone who's going to be working on it. And that's what turned me around that said, yeah, maybe I would want to check these out because it is, they're great creative teams. They're, they're people who I would want to see, you know, um, I can't think of, uh, for 100 Bullets, Brian Azzarello. I'd, I'd like to see his take on, um, Rorschach. You know, I want to see, I want to see Darwin Cook's Minute Men. You know, I want to. You know, those are different things. That all right? Yeah, those are going to be those are going to be really well done by those writers, and they're going to respect it. And that that's actually just what you're kind of getting. Um, when asked, you know, what made you decide to work on this, he says, "I can remember being approached a few years back by Dan DiDio. My initial response was absolutely not. The reason for that was simple. I consider Watchmen a magnificent book, and I just didn't see um, doing anything that could live up to it, especially after all this time." Dan did his best, and at that point, to get me on board, he let me know he just wanted me to handle Watchmen, but I couldn't see it. So I passed. When you do this stuff for a living, he continues. I added that in there. Mm -hmm. Ideas come through your head day in and day out. It was close to a year later, I suppose, the idea for Minutemen rolled into my head. I just sat down, plotted a treatment, and it got me really excited. There was something there I could bring to the party, but didn't contradict anything Alan and David had done. It fit perfectly into the scenario they had set up with these characters, so I contacted Dan and told him to count me in. Hmm. So it's just one of those things like, man, I, I could do a kick-ass story. And also, he just kind of jumped on to uh, writing for Silk Spectre. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of pitched that to him, and then he went to them and said, I will only write this if Amanda Connors draws it. Oh. So he's actually the one that kind of was like, no, you put her on this book. That's cool. I'd like to see the two of them work together. That's a, mm-hmm. I think that's a good team. If he's not doing his own art, I'd yeah. like to see her do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like boobs. <laughs> the thing is... uh when I'm saying I don't think this is going to be a success, I don't think it's going to be a success in the single issues. If it's going, and honestly, 
without a movie coming out to get people to buy the trades? Is it really going to sell now? I I bought my copy in 2001. As a comic book fan, though. Like, the, I don't know if there's going to be new readers coming in to pick it up weekly. Well, no. And I by just, the time... I don't think this, don't think this is really made to get... The Barnes & Noble crowd... Are they still going to pick it up, even though I don't? I don't think nothing... I don't think that's what these are putting out. They're putting these out for is to get new readers. The only readers they're to get are the people who maybe read Watchmen back in the day, mm-hmm. or wa- watched it any time they had picked up or read it within any time they had been into comic books. To maybe get those people mm-hmm. say, "Oh man, I loved Watchmen." They're doing stuff that happens before that. Yeah, maybe I'll go check it out. Those are the people. If they're trying to get anyone new to do it, they're they're trying to get fans. The to lapsed yeah. writers, but and then and I think also it's for the the diehard comic book fans. Yeah, I, there's so much buzz about these online already that whether you love the idea or hate the idea, it's gonna sell. Like okay. you're gonna you're gonna pick this book up. We know comic book nerds will hmm. say one thing. And then completely go against it. These books are going to sell. I don't know if they're going to be like top ten books or anything at all. It's going to be tough to say after. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll know after the Minutemen one comes out. Yeah. Just like how well these might wind up doing, but we'll know next month. Th- these are these are going to do pretty well for DC. I think it's a smart move for them, especially putting good creators on them. Mm-hmm. I I would be surprised if any of these single issues hit in the top ten. I think you. I think you'll see it. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think all of them will, but I think you'll no. see like the Darren Cook, Amanda Connor, Sulk Spectre. I think you'll see the Darren Cook Minutemen one. I think mm-hmm. you'll see Ezrello's Rorschach. Yeah, I think that will probably be a, a top ten though. It's so hard to see Diamond he, that book the, now. You, you got so many. You gotta it's think about this two years the, after the, the movie. The following. Mm-hmm. Two two years Does after the movie that, that came, like based on a comic so book that came years. out in 1986. Yeah, three years. You know, I mean, this is still one of those books. It's constantly in publication. That's why Alan Moore didn't get the rights back. He could have. If he, he did the prequels, he could have. But originally, when sequel. he did this, it was yeah, like once this goes out of print, I'll I'll have my book back, and it it didn't mm-hmm. straight up. Like this has been in constant print since it came out. I wouldn't want to read. Alan Moore's sequel or prequel to Watchmen. Why? I don't know. I just I don't think it would be as good as the source material, or it, and I don't think he would give it his all. Where the people who are working on this, I wouldn't say are trying to live up to this book, but have respect for this book and mm-hmm. want to make what they're doing a good. You know, a, I can't think of the word, but just a good. There's, it's going to be an homage. A good, and, a good homage to the book. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Okay, and it's on the bottle. I read it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bottles are Whenever, the other way. That's why I missed it. Whenever you're questioning, just reach for your beer. Yeah, just grab a beer. I'm empty inside too. Oh, okay. yeah. I can understand you're saying that he, if he. It was just doing these that work to get the, his rights back 
to like what Chris was saying to characters that he created because they wouldn't allow him to use the characters that DC would still own. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I could, I could understand your like pessimism there being like, no, he's just doing shoddy work just to get it done. But, and I can understand your point about, you know, it, it's, it's a love letter. It's a, an homage. It's a tribute to, uh, what comic book people say is the best comic book work. I, it's, it stands up there. I mean, it might not be your favorite, but what it, has done for the medium mm-hmm. on its own is gigantic. I mean, that movie was big. When you go into the comic book shop, you know, the week after that movie came out, it was, hey, here's what to read after Watchmen. Yeah, they they did the whole after you know, Watchmen thing, DC. I thought it was a good tie-in, but... Oh, it definitely was, because they put it on all those books that weren't like your normal superhero books. They had Identity Crisis was on there, which I think is probably the closest thing to a superhero book that they had. But then it was stuff like Swamp Thing, Constantine. It was a lot of the darker edge books. Mm-hmm. And also even Why the Last Man number one was a after Watchmen yeah. book before that $1 price point. Which then they were giving away at comic book conventions. Yeah. Because those after Watchmen didn't really sell those issues. Um, well, let's see. The, the, they were there for Is the people a... that you know are wandering into the comic book shop. Like, yeah. if yeah. if here's if you were a comic book fan, you already know like Bruce so Wayne, Constantine, yeah. Why the Last Man, and that's what I'm saying. That even or, though it sold a lot of graphic novels to the Barnes and Noble crowd, the people that don't go into comic book shops, yeah. The movie came out, and it didn't bring the people into the comic book shops, and I think that's why DC did the after Watchmen, to get those people that went to the movie to come back in. It's tough to say, though. We we don't have those numbers. I mean, Mm -hmm. we started going back into comic book shops based on Free Comic Book Day. I bet when they pitched Free Comic Book Day, there were people that were like, this isn't going to get people into the store. Like, consistently, every year... They have it. Mm-hmm. When we go into Don's, like, the next week, he's always like, yeah. He's like, it was crazy. He's like, that's my best day every year. I would, I would love for, you know, movie release day to be a big comic book day. Free comic book day also started because of the release of Spider-Man yeah. movie. Yeah. So. And that's I, that's one of the big things that got Chris and I back into it. Because mm-hmm. when Spider-Man was coming out, we were just talking about how much we used to love comic books. And we'd actually been to a bunch of shops yeah. before... Free comic book day, and we've just found Don's. We're like, this is the best shop we've been to in this area. Um, my friend Jeff, he had never read Watchmen, but he was interested in the movie. I actually let him borrow my mm-hmm. copy of the graphic novel, and he loved it. And like, he still loves the movie, and it kind of got him into comic books. Not hardcore going every single week, but he's read stuff, you know. So, it, who knows it. It might be a, a small pebble mm-hmm. that falls in, or it could be some big rocks. Hey, hey. that's a throwback. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Snow White and the Watchmen, or Snow White <laughs> and the Huntsman. Um, I think you just found our new Christmas special. <laughs> Snow White and the Huntsman. Is that available on 3D? I don't fucking know. No, I don't think it is. Uh, because I'm looking at the money for the Watchmen movie, and it opened... Uh, domestically with 55.2 million, which is $1 million less than Snow White and the Watch and the Huntsman, 
keep on saying I'm going to keep on saying it now because it's That's horrible. Okay. And uh, Watchmen only had a total lifetime gross in theaters at 185 million. Okay. Which is less than two weeks of domestic only for the Avengers, or less than one Avengers week is its for own Avengers. Beast, though <laughs> it's like the number three top grossing movie of all time. It is the number three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I think the closer thing less to, than its open domestic opening weekend. I, I think the closest thing to like compare Watchmen to would be another lesser known Harvey Picker. Uh, what was no, that? More, that was more, even less. I yeah. would say I Sin City. Sin City. Yeah, say Sin City, something like that. Sin City, I know was huge. It was really big. Like those though. harder edge, like Hellboy, Constantine, too. Hellboy, like that kind of stuff. Uh, lifetime gross, uh, seventy four million. And opening twenty nine million for Sin City. For, for Sin City. And here's the thing: Sin City, like that, took people by surprise too. Like mm-hmm. as soon as that movie came out, they're like, "Yeah, it did really well. We're gonna start working on a sequel." Which, hey, looks like we're finally getting yeah. a Dame to Kill for. Yeah. Uh the Spirit Lifetime nineteen point eight million. Yeah, Spirit was really bad. Um, Spirit, if you watch it and keep in mind that it's going to be kind of. Hokey and Hokey and it's actually kind of Frank fun. Miller doing Frank Miller stuff. Honestly, it's not really Frank Millery. It's really? More, That's what scared me away from it. That's why I've never watched it. it. Has I that, enjoy like, the spirit look to it, but it's 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 kind of it's. I wouldn't say it's hokey, but it's it's like 1940s. Yeah, it's it's kind of like campy. It's so, you know what? Imagine if instead of uh, Frank Miller. Doing Batman, like from the 1960s, he decided to do a spirit show instead. Hmm. It's kind of like that. Hmm. Okay, I think the closest thing to really compare it to is Zack Snyder's work that got him to do The Watchmen, 300, same uh, opening time time frame in March, uh, domestic uh, opening weekend 70.8 million, total domestic gross 210 million, total worldwide gross 456 million. So the movie that allowed him to do Watchmen basically doubled the six, doubled almost to triple the success of the Watchmen movie itself. Um, but you know, if you put those two movies next to each other, I'd rather watch Watchmen than Three Hundred. Yeah, I've watched Watchmen. So John watches the Watchmen. Hey, we finally figured, hey, it, we figured it, out. it out. Good, but good. I've seen, I've watched the, I've watched Watchmen. I think I saw it in the theater either once or twice. Because I usually have to follow up anytime I see it with you guys, with my dad. Um, and then I think I watched it, I caught it like a couple months ago, like on TV, mm-hmm. right at the end. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I kind of want to watch it again. And I, and I did. And it's still, it's, it's still a good movie. I've never seen three, I saw 300 in the theater. I've never seen it again. Or, I, nor have I really wanted to. I think I've seen 300 maybe like two or three times. And that was enough. The Watchmen, I, w- I would gladly watch again. You have it on DVD. I do. I wouldn't watch it again. Either. <laughs> just, <laughs> just in case. Uh, yeah. But that's my feeling. You know, I, if you agree with me that maybe you're like, oh, Paul, you know, I can kind of see what you're saying, or you think I'm an idiot and the only person t- deserving to be kicked off this podcast right now, uh, either way. Whoa, we're kicking people off the podcast now? I, well, the fans could. Oh, wow. If they email what? us, we're, I'm going to give them that option. Either save me or kick me off the podcast. 
by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Well, here's the thing. If you can't pull off the podcast, it's just going to be me and Chris in a room talking like normal, and nobody else will hear it but us. <laughs> but we will think we're the greatest. Though. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You found this podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, Chris. <laughs> if, yes, that's true. If they they want to email us, where can they do that? If they want to email us, they can always do that at contact at badenboardcast.com or they can email, uh, email us individually by our names, Paul at badenboardcast.com, Chris at badenboardcast.com, or John at badenboardcast.com. Hi, I'm John. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're good looking. And we're, <laughs> and we're also on the Facebook and also on the Twitters. Uh, so Facebook, Bagged and Board, and also on Twitter, at Bagged and Board. Pretty so, simple. So anyways, you, any way you want to kick me off the podcast or say your thoughts on the Watchmen and also before Watchmen, uh, give us a ring because we enjoy listener feedback. Until next week, watch what you watch, man. Ah. Uh. <laughs>